podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Edwards goes to Standall. Now it's Bennett. JPR, the fullback. Is he going to get his second try? Oh, what a killer blow for the Welshman. JPR Williams, the fullback, scores the try that must sew it up for Wales. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum Podcast. What a week it has been for Welsh Rugby. No shortage of news. Uh, Only a few hours after we recorded last week, uh, we had one of the biggest bombshells um, that has been dropped in recent times. And that's saying something because we've had plenty of those. Uh, So we are going to be looking at the Lewis Reece Summit moving or attempting to move sports uh, as we go through this week's pod. Uh, we've also got the the squad announcement, which was somewhat overshadowed. Uh, we have got some representation in the second round of Europe, thanks to the Ospreys uh, comeback out in South Africa. And uh, we've got the Six Nations launch that took place this week as well. So absolutely loads to get our teeth stuck into. And uh, the man who has uh, sharpened his gnashes for just this occasion is Paul Reese. How are you, Paul? Good, thanks, Jed. You? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Uh, I think I was bemoaning last week that uh, the squad announcement was on Tuesday and we were recording on a Monday night. But as I say, that was somewhat overshadowed by the news that Lewis Rees-Samit was not going to be part of it. But I don't think we were the only ones caught on the hop as uh, the press conference was delayed. It, found like, it sounded like Warren Gatland only found out with, uh, <laughs> with about 45 minutes to go before the scheduled time. He did, yeah. George Scrivenson of Gloucester phoned him up. And uh, they they got got the squad already done, uh, re-stammered in it. So um, Skibbonson gives <laughs> gives him the nod and hastily uh, rearrange it and, and and delay the announcement. So yeah, I, it's it's not often these days that um, they're caught out like that, but uh, that, that certainly happened then. What do you make of it being so last minute as well? If this is you know was kind of was documented that the negotiations were kind of genuinely right down to the eleventh hour, and the approach was only made late, or is is there a bit more to it than this? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I suspect because I mean, it's, when it, start, it starts next month, isn't it? This course, so whether whether it's some, you know, they they filling numbers or somebody pulled out, I I, I don't know. But but because he played in Edinburgh on the weekend, didn't he? For or, or the Friday night for Gloucester, um, and they didn't they they didn't know anything about it then. So I mean, they knew. You know, Skimmington said he spoke to Reece Emmett last summer. Um, Rich Lambert said, you know, his dream was to play American football because um, they were told, obviously his contract was up at, at Gloucester in the summer, and Skibbington was, you know, trying to gauge whether he would be, you know, um, willing to resign or whether he was going to go elsewhere. And he, that's when he said then that his dream was to play American football. And Skibbington thought, well, yeah, it's a nice dream, but it ain't going to happen. And um, I mean, it, it might not, but I mean, he, he can at least take take a step towards it. And um, so Skimmington knew that, that if the opportunity presented, Rissamer was going to turn it down, and he didn't. Yeah, well, he certainly didn't. What do you make of it as a, I don't know, I guess as a from, from a journalistic point of view and as a as a fan of rugby, what do you make of the the whole story? I mean, again, it's 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 like Faye Wabosa, isn't it? It's a sort of very personal decision. It's not, it's not a reflection on on rugby, Welsh rugby, Gloucester, or anything like that. It's just. It's just a young man who's, who's clearly long held a, an ambition to play American football at the uh, at the highest level. Um, probably, you know, never thinking he had he had a huge chance of, of realising it, but suddenly being given the opportunity. And if it's if it's something you've hankered over, 
clearly since boyhood because his father played it, didn't he? So you watched him. Then you're going you're going to grab it, aren't you? And um, I mean, you know, the, the thing for him is, he's, what is he, 22? He's not lost a rugby. If it doesn't work out, he can come yeah. back and he'll have no shortage of suitors. But it's one of those things, if you don't do it, if you turn it down and say, oh, no, I've got the Six Nations coming up and then, you know, tours and lines maybe next year, um, you, you probably regret it in, you know, when, you, when, you, when you've long retired. So at least, at, at least he won't he won't wonder now, will he, whether he really... Well, he could have made it because he's he's got the opportunities down him. It's going to be formidably tough. He knows that. You know the example of Christian Wade who got so far, didn't he? With the, um, it was the Buffalo the, Bills, I think. Bills, yeah. Come I in, mean, he played in the preseason game, scored a touchdown, but never 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 played in an NFL match. So he he knows he knows how hard it is, and um, you know he's going to be. It, it, it's a, it's a foreign players program he's going on, but I mean after. that, you're going to be with players who've grown up with with American football. Just as somebody, you know, American American football comes over here to play rugby, there, you know, you're at a, at a disadvantage. But, you know, the one thing he's got is is, is a lot of natural talent and clearly a, a desire to succeed. So that should take him a long way. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good assessment of it, actually. I'd, I'd like to say I've been as rational as that this week, but I definitely haven't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think the, the thing for me is I think the cynic in me thought, well, the chances of him making it are so small having not played the game before that is this, not a publicity stunt, but, a, you know, an opportunity to go and further his, you know, further his career outside of outside of rugby and, um, you know, potentially earn a, a pretty good wage, you know, because if he makes a squad like Christian Wade did, I think, he you know, he would have been on good money. But then part of me thought, well, you know, he'd get a contract at, uh, Racing ninety two, or in Japan, or or wherever, you know, for for really good money. So it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a financial decision, Jed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly, yes. If you if you if you make an American football, and you know, you'll make in a in a week what you would in years as, as a top rugby union player. But that's 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 that that's not um, that's not what's driving him. Um, it's 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 just the pure ambition of of making as an American footballer, and and you're right. I mean, J- Japan clubs are chasing him, and they would have they would have offered him a, a pretty penny, so he would have been. Well, it's just, it's just I don't know. It's, uh, <clears throat> from from my selfish point of view, it's, it's a real shame that you know there's no Reece Sam at the Six Nations, no Arundel for for England, and no Dupont. Yeah. Um, it's it's. Um, I mean, because still shape up to be a decent tournament, but I mean, three of the most exciting players are not going to be there, and that's probably a horrible coincidence. Isn't it? Yeah, it is, and uh, you know, I think in terms of the the sport itself, you know, you have it because I think we said before, there's not that many players who've got the high profile that no. you had in in yesterday. Even when it was an amateur game, you know, anyone in the world could have told you who who Jonah Loma was, whether they'd watched any rugby or not. And to a certain degree, people could have told you who Will Carling was, or you know, players who were, just had the profile, not even necessarily um, what they did on the pitch, but they had, they had kind of big big profiles and I think you know when you're looking to to grow the sport someone like Lewis Rees-Samit is very very valuable in terms of doing that so I, I do feel it's I do feel it's a blow and a a blow for the sport a blow for the the sport in Wales and obviously a, a blow for the national team as well but yeah I think that the way you the way you've put it put, does make a does make a lot of sense and it does also make me think that I'm glad we did that we weren't on air when the uh, when the story broke because I, <laughs> I would have struggled to rationalize it quite like you did. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it is a it's a huge shame for Wales because I mean, top player that I mean, you know, he bowed out with that try against Edinburgh, which very few people in the game today would have been able mm. to score. A stunning try, which showcased what he can do. And and the further 
through Sam, and you can't replace him with a, a, a another um, exciting player. Not as not as experience and I see Gatlin last week had a pop saying he was quite green well Gatlin hasn't been slow in the past to promote green players has he and um but he, he, you know huge 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 potential but these things happen you've got to you, you've got to get on with it you do and England's squad is pretty light on wingers as well isn't it they've got a huge amount of back three options in that squad particularly out and out wingers so you know he's I would say he's more than likely going to get capped isn't he He's got a yes, he's got a good chance. I don't think Borswick would have, you know, having having persuaded him. I don't think he was, you know, he wasn't a PR stunt. Borswick mm. was chasing him to deny him playing for Wales. He would have, he would have done so because he has qualities he's looking for, not least his his his, his finishing and ability to, you know, to create space. But um, yeah, it's interesting. They called up Roebuck of Sale, who's a good strong finisher. Scored um, scored a try yesterday, didn't he, for for Sale and defeat against La Rochelle. Uh, Tommy Freeman, who's been ripping up trees for Northampton, not in the centre and on the wing, big, strong carrier again, make, makes dents and got a got a bit of pace. Didn't go for Joe Kokonasiga, which is interesting because he's, he's has a good season for Bath and he's um you know big, big, powerful presence. They've got Elliot Daly who can, who can play on the wing as well. So, uh, I mean, I think with England, it's it's you know Borswick's been talking about a change of mindset. And you know, if you if you take him at his word, then you're not going to see a repeat of the kick and chase tactics in the um, they they produce in the World Cup. Yeah, we'll come on to that. Actually, I just it just reminded me there you listing some of the players he had lined up because I saw a very amusing tweet which made me chuckle last week, which said some, something along the lines of uh, Emmanuel Faye Wabozo is the new Henry Arundel, who was the new Ollie Hassel Collins, who was the new Adam Radwan, who was the new Ollie Thorley. Uh, yeah. Yeah, inexplicably, come the Six Nations, uh, England will be picking Elliot Daly and Johnny May on the wing. <laughs> Obviously, Johnny May was in there as a, uh, yeah, was in there for a bit of comic effects. But it does it does bode the question, you know, what to expect from some of the other teams. The England one, the England one is really interesting, I think, because, like you say, that the noise is coming out from Steve Borthwick's camp. Is they're going to play in a in a different way? I'm, I, I don't know. I wasn't particularly sold on that. Uh, but I, th- I think you you seem to think otherwise, don't you? There's going to be perhaps a bit more expansion. Well, I think I mean he's brought in Andrew Strawbridge as a consultant coach, and he'll 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 survive the first month of the campaign. So that's three matches takes in Wales. Um, he's um, he's a pal of uh, Gatlands because they played um, the same Waikato team in the eighties and um, late eighties, early nineties. And his 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 speciality is is quick ruck ball. And that's something where England have really fallen up. I remember that the last time Wales were at Twickenham, I mean, England started like a train, didn't they? And um, and and and, and won, won a few penalties first half, second half. They were just getting blown away at the break time by Wales, and, mm. and ended up ended up hanging on. The game they should have won comfortably. And it's been a it's been a constant failing of theirs. You know, in, in well since the nineteen World Cup, the generation of slow ball. And of course, what can you do with a slow ball? You either get some big beast to truck it up like Tuilagi or Vunapola, where they're not around, or you uh, or you kick it. And they've they've tended to go down the kicking route. But I think what he's what he is determined to do is generate quick ball. And if you go off quick ball, you've then got the option of sort of moving it and and, and, and seeking space. So it's you know they'll still kick. I mean New Zealand kick as much as anybody. But when it's on, I think that's what he'd be looking for, that they, they go for it. And if you've got halfbacks in Mitchell, um, Marcus Smith or Kerr and, and Finn Smith, then there's there's no point in just in just sending it upwards. And and, and they've got they've got options behind now, so use them. Yeah, it's true. I mean, but you you had during the World Cup, uh, they had you know, Alex Mitchell was the first choice, but a very different version of Alex Mitchell to 
what you see in the yep. Northampton shirt. You spent a huge amount of time kicking the ball, and you know you also. I know obviously Farrell was suspended for um, for the first chunk of that, but George Ford, who you know, I, I think we probably forget what a creative player he is. You know, he's got excellent excellent ball handling skills, and he's a you know he's not might not be a running ten, but he certainly can get a back line outside and moving. But he is you know he became very much a um, a kicking ten, whether that was drop goals or kicking out of hand and. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just because they didn't have enough time with them ahead of the World Cup in order to to fashion a more uh, attacking backline. But it does feel like it will have to be a significant shift in order to um, in order to leave it that style behind. But, but I think you know, you look at that squad. Um, Sixteen backs, eight of them, half of them from Harlequins and mm. Northampton, top Premiership. But you look at the way they play. Oh yeah, and that's you don't pick those guys if, if you're just going to kick it all the time, do you? And and you know the top three make up half the thirty six players in, in in the squad. He's gone for the form. Mm. Bottom three clubs have only got one player between them, Alex Genge, and he probably squeaked in there on the evidence of the semi final against South Africa when he came off off the bench and the scrum faded. So I think you know I think it, 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 you know if if selection holds a clue, mm. it will be you know it's it's, it's not um it's, it's it's not a sudden. You know, overhaul of tactics. Um, it'll be a plan A, plan B. So you, you'll still arm yourself with a kicking game, but you've just got the option to run. You think, you know, the way Saracens have evolved last three or four years, there they were against Lyon um, on, on, on Saturday night. Um, they were 17 5 down in the first half, but they were still offloading like mad. And you think, is this Saturday's the best up at the moment? I mean, the way down. place but him they'll have him on the bench and, and can bring him on but it's it's you look at you look at the way Saracens are playing now and if they can do it then certainly England can I know clubs have like, more time together but um by by picking you know the the, the, the sort of spine of Northampton and and, and Harlequins that's, I mean Borswick's giving himself every every opportunity but it's just that it's it's just having shades isn't it rather than just being black or white just having some shades a bit of nuance they can add to the game so it's a touch of the unexpected. So whereas England in the World Cup, everybody knew what to expect. Mm. Well, maybe Italy and then Wales. Maybe they'll have a few tricks up their sleeve for them. Yeah, yeah, you might you might well be right. It's it's an interesting one. Uh, we're going to talk about the Wales squad a little bit later on, but let's just stick with stick with England for a minute. Obviously, anyone who's not listened to the pod before, when we go into into Six Nations and into international rugby, naturally we talk about all the other the other teams as well as uh, as well as just kind of looking at it with a um, through a Welsh lens, uh, I just wanted to touch on that selection of skipper that that he's opted for. He's opted for Jamie George because actually, now you mention it, the the rest of the squad, I suppose, is a you know is a bolder a bolder choice than perhaps I was anticipating. The selection of George though feels very much like a continuity kind of captain, you know, a kind of a very safe, steady bet versus what Warren Gatland is is doing and did with the World Cup in, yeah. in, in opting for kind of the the young bright stars. Wanted to get your yeah your take on. Uh, on that choice of Jamie George as captain, yeah, because I mean you can't, you know, you can't look around and and, and say he he will be at the next World Cup. You, you can't say he won't be, but I mean, what well, what are the odds? Probably no better than fifty fifty. So I think it, it, first of all, it's a statement about both. To just say that you know this isn't about the twenty twenty seven World Cup. This is about the twenty twenty four Six Nations. 
And I think the bulk of bulk of the, the teams are saying that, whereas, you know, one that long ago, as soon as one World Cup ended, everyone was talking about the next one. Well, the next one's years away, so it's, it's irrelevant at the moment, isn't it? So I think, I think he's, he's setting his stall out there. He wants to do well in the Six Nations and not looking beyond that. And I think the other thing, when you had Farrell as captain and both with questions, and when there are... on the top table together before and after a match they're you know very very much um you know they they be treating it as an occupational hazard not because they they particularly enjoy speaking whereas Jamie George completely different you know natural media communicator very affable and so i think you'll have a you'll have a balance between a fairly serious earnest coach and his and, and his captain who will um who will who will happily answer questions and and you know answer in answer in detail rather than rather than tersely. So I think that's that's pretty good. And and you know it's it, it, it's England it was the same under Eddie Jones. It's fairly intense, isn't it? It's been fairly intense. And I think this is just uh, almost like uh, just just relax relax it a bit. And I think it's 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 setting the mood in, in with that choice of captain. Yeah, you'd know this better than me, Paul. But certainly any journalists that I've spoken to in the past have said that that England side, you know, presumably from from the RFU, has been very very protected and access to the players is is very very difficult. Whereas you know with with other international sides, it's kind of almost almost a lot easier and perhaps encouraged and you feel like perhaps that that choice of captain might change might change that a little bit well, i think so yeah because you can you can see whenever when, when whenever he does hang up his boots jamie george you know doing 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 media work yeah you know a bit like like benjamin kaiser he was the former france soccer he was really good isn't he, as, a, as a as a pundit and jamie george would be exactly the same so i think i, th- I think from that point of view it's um it's it's a good choice because he's, as I say, character wise, he's the opposite of the coach, and that's that's that, that's what England need at the moment. Because one thing that's been levelled at that England side is for all of the you know, the route was pointed out to get to the semi final was it was a very very easy group you know arguably the easiest route to a semi final um, that there's ever been, but they ran South Africa really really close. However, mm. it failed to capture the nation's imagination. You know, no one kind of seemingly was falling in love with that England side. Um, as they had done in the past, you know, and even like in 07, you know, when that team of of kind of misfits and, uh, uh, you know, players <laughs> left over from 03 and players dragged out of sevens and whoever was knocking around, it seemed to capture the, you know, like almost a bit of a dirty dozen um, thing that, that got that got the nation interested in it. Whereas this side just didn't seem to, didn't seem to do that. Do you think, again, that, that part of that is in the, the modern way that media operates? You need to kind of show a bit more and, and show... Uh, Get people invested in the stories behind the players rather than just what's going on on the pitch. Yeah, and and, and a sort of hook hook to hang it on, isn't it? As you said in 07, I mean, there's a lot of blokes who were there who'd been there in 03 and won the thing, not least Johnny Wilkinson, you know, Lawrence Delalio. So you had that sort of connection with, with successful times, so there was always going to be a buy. And it was, you know, it was a corpse coming back from the dead, wasn't it? After being beaten 36 0 by South Africa in Paris, um, nobody would nobody would have predicted then that England would be playing them again in, in, in the final. But there wasn't, you know, in terms of personality, there wasn't much in that England team, was there? I mean, you could you could admire their grit and determination mm. and courage, but in terms of you know being able to 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 sell it to non rugby audience, not not much there at all, was there? Whereas I think you know you look at this squad now, and and, and that should be should be a difference. There is a bit more personality in it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to look at some of the other squads. I'm keen to get your take on on those as well. Paul, as you say, we will be looking at Wales in a bit more detail. We will also be taking a look at the Ospreys making it through to the round of 16 in the Challenge Cup as Wales' sole representatives left in Europe now. And uh, yeah, we'll also have a roundup of all the other news that has been knocking around. But first, we're going to take this quick break. Right, Paul, before we take a look at England, the other squad that that I was keen to to get your thoughts on was Scotland. And it's a really interesting time for Scotland, I think, because under Gregor Townsend, they've been to two Rugby World Cups and I think they've underachieved at both. The first, you know, firstly in Japan, I think that, you know, they, they should just definitely have, have done better. And, you know, they again, they were blown away in that first that first game against Ireland. And then this time out, admittedly an incredibly tough draw but they seem to go out without firing a shot which I think is the disappointing thing so I think it's a really really interesting time for for Gregor Townsend because he's kind of got to get this right and I wasn't overly perhaps overly convinced that he was moving in the right direction ahead of last six nations but then they pulled out some big performances so I guess what do you expect from them as a side and and what indicators does the squad give us of how they're going to play and how they're going to go? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's the longest serving of the Six Nations mm. coaches now, isn't he, Townsend? He, um, doing, doing two World Cups. Yeah, I mean, I think 19 World Cups, uh, opening game against Ireland, Yokohama, I mean, it, was, it, was a, it was a wet day, wasn't it? And they played dry weather rugby and that backfired on them. And then right at the end, they you know had, had to beat a, a host nation that was that had its tails up after beating Ireland. So out they crashed. Um, I mean, in the same pool as Ireland and... and uh, and South Africa, so it's a it's a far harder task. I mean, they they played well first off against South Africa, didn't they? And then and then and then faded. And Ireland, it was it was the converse. They came came good in the second half, having been outplayed in the first. But you know, I I thought there was a uh, there was something for them to take out, out, out of that World Cup. Um, you know, there's a there's a growing maturity about them now. Finn Russell playing really well for for Bath, and I think what he's done with this squad is just. You know, trying to give himself you know a bit more, bit more strength, a bit more strength in depth. So, so certainly on the bench, I think he's got a good, decent first team. So, you know, Hugh Jones playing really well in the centre again, isn't he? And King Horn, you know, the fullback now now winning his living in, in in France. Darcy Graham's injured, isn't he? But they they called up Aaron Reed, the sail wing. He's quite um, he's quite sharp. Though he he went off concussed uh, yesterday, so I don't know if he's um. If he will be fit in time, and you know they've signed Alec Hepburn from Exeter, the um, who won six caps for England about six years yeah. ago, but whose great whose great grandfather paid for the undersoil heating to be laid at Murrayfield in nineteen sixty. So he's, he does have <laughs> genuine Scottish roots. So yeah, quite, um, lit- got, quite literally roots. Yeah, exactly. So well, and he, he set up some whiskey company in Edinburgh in the nineteen twenties as well. So, um, so I mean, but for them. You always feel with Scotland that the, the, the sort of the talent is there. Um, it's it's almost psychological, isn't it? And the first game in Cardiff, um, where they haven't won for twenty two years, and two years ago when they came to Cardiff, Wales weren't a particularly good ebb, were they? And Scotland somehow managed to. Yeah, it was, to, I was to, there to, that day. It was a very but, weird game because Wales mm, went in. Was it a second game? I feel like we'd lost heavily to someone in week one. Um, I can't think who now. Um, but yeah, Scotland was it Ireland? Well, you'd imagine so. Uh, but I, you know, certainly Scotland went into it 
as favourites and just and just fluffed their lines. And Finn Russell had a very you know had a very poor day that day, and they just couldn't um, couldn't get over couldn't get over the line and didn't didn't really click all day. And I think that's probably been the a kind of um, it's indicative. It is they're, they're very good at Murrayfield and they're very good at Twickenham, but outside of that. You know, like we like I think we said before, you know, there's there was obviously the win in the win in Paris, but that was during COVID times. And I think it's um yeah, in COVID times and you know, months after the tournament finished or you know, the the, the initial stage of it did. So I think that's that that's gonna be the thing for them is the, the talent is there, certainly within the first the first twenty three. And they've got some genuine world beaters in there. You know, like we say, Finn Russell on his day is about as about as exciting an outside obviously you could ever wish to see and Ooh, and there's plenty exactly. of that talent throughout the side. It's just whether they can they can string together um, some back to back performances, which is the bit that's been missing under Townsend, really. It is, yeah, yeah. In 2022, Wales, yeah, Wales first sub Ireland. They lost 29-7. That's right. Tane Basham Dub- scored at the end, didn't he? I remember now. That's it. That's it. And Scotland beat England 2017, and then came to Cardiff and lost 2017. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, Finn Russell got a yellow card, didn't he, after sixty-seven minutes? So, um, not uh, yeah, but it it, it it just it just it just summed them up that when you when there was um, you know degree of expectation on them, they couldn't couldn't cope with that. And that, that you know you, you think that that was how Wales operated for a few years, wasn't oh, yeah. it? That that they were never more vulnerable than when they were, they, they were expected to do something, and that's that's what Scotland have got to get over. So they they you know pre- pressures on them. I mean, I know Wales are at home, but in a sense, there's they don't quite have that that same expectation, given that they've lost there's so many players. Who um, I'm trying to look at the, look at the team that day. You, you know, Liam Williams not there, Cuthbert's not there, Rizamit Scarpet bigger gone, Wynne Jones isn't around, Francis not around, um, Moriarty. It was it was it was Jack Morgan's debut. It was um, on the blind side, maybe. No, he was a seven. There's two bankers on the air. Basham played as well. Yeah. Basham was six, uh, or War, war six. Um, yeah, Dylan Lewis was on the bench. He's gone. Was it Sheedy was on the bench. He's, he's no longer. Johnson Davis. So it's a fair. There's a fair. Um, there's a fair shakeup with with Wales, isn't there? Whereas I mean, who's gone from Scotland? Hogg's gone. Darcy Graham's injured, isn't he? Chris Harris not in the squad. To Peluso, Van der Mille, Russell, Price, Schumann, uh, McNally's gone. Nell. Uh, Johnny Gray's gone. Gilchrist Skinner, Faggerson, and, and well, Watson's not in the squad this time either, is he? So, but Darge made his made his debut from the bench, and he's now co-captain. So, so King Holm and Redpath, Redpath among the subs. So, 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 so I think in terms of continuity, Scotland have got have got more than Wales, haven't they? But you know, you know, you know, with you know with Gatland, you know, just a little bit of devil, and they can. Um, you know, any, if there is any sort of weak undercurrent mm. in that Scotland team, that's it. Well, while we're talking personnel, let's move on to look at the Wales side that, that Warren Gatland did name last week. So just as a recap, if anyone's forgotten, uh, in uh, the front row, Corey Domachowski, Kemsley Matthias, Gareth Thomas, hookers of Elliot D, Ryan Elias, Evan Lloyd, tight heads, Kieran Azarati, Leon Brown and Archie Griffin. And then in the second row, Adam Beard, David Jenkins, Will Rowlands, Teddy Williams, and back rows of Tane Basham, James Botham, Alex Mann, Mackenzie Martin, Tommy Reffel, and Aaron Wainwright. And in the backs, uh, it is scrum halves of Gareth Davis, Kieran Hardy, Thomas Williams, outside halves of Sam Costello, Yoan Lloyd, Kai Evans, and then uh, in the 
back three slash centres. You've got Mason Grady, George North, Joe Roberts, Nick Tompkins, Owen Watkin, Josh Adams, Rio Dyer, Tom Rogers, and Cam Winnett. Um, surprises in there, Paul? Anyone that, that made you raise an eyebrow? Um, I mean, we talked about it last week. I mean, man, I suppose you, you could say was a surprise, um, given that he, uh, it's his first season, really, isn't it? Um, I, uh, more sort of omissions were more of a surprise. I thought that Lillian Lewis would have been yeah. in that. Um, or, 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 or Thomas Francis. Certainly one of, one of Francis or Lewis would have been in Italy. And both out was, um, was, was, was interesting. But I think it's... I mean, you look at... You look at the team that opened up last year, all right? They they got well been by Ireland, but there's no Liam Williams, there's no bigger, there's no Ken Owens, there's no Thomas Francis, there's no Adam Wynne Jones, there's no Falata, there's no Tipperick. That's a huge amount of experience that you're losing, isn't it? I mean, all Lions, um Bar Francis, all of them, you know, but but you know, multi cap players. That's a that's a big that's near a year ago. So you've got to you've got to replace yourself. And I guess what he's what he's looking to do is just um Chuck some players in and 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 see how they get on. But but you know, knowing Gatlin, he will arm them with with um you know with a with a certain style of play and and they will be they'll be fit as well. I mean, Wells tend to start slowly and build up pace, but I think they're going to have to start they're going to have to start with with them more quickly than the the normal. So and and I think as I said last week, I can, I can just see them almost having like guerrilla tactics. You know, the unexpected. You know, trying to hurry teams up, hassle them off their stride because they're not. You know, it's 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 if you make make it like a boxing contest. You know, if they go if they trade blows, they're going to get knocked out probably, aren't they? So they're going to be and ducking and fainting and diving and land, landing a few, um, you know, a few few unexpected blows, which you know that that they'll be capable of under Gatlin. But I think they're going to be. Whereas in the past they're very prescriptive. You knew what was coming, and the challenge was to stop it. Now I think it'll be. Well, what is going to be coming? A little bit of doubt. Yeah, well, I think there has to be because you look at that. I think particularly the front row. I mean, there's there's lots of there's lots of good loose heads. I mean, you know, Gareth Thomas has made that position his own. Really, he's been excellent the last couple of seasons. Again, there's experience. You know, Ryan Elias has become a very important player. Very good, kind of very good scrummaging and over the ball. And obviously, you know, at times his, his darts has come under criticism, but he's become a very important player for Wales. But then tight heads, like you say, he's not gone for Thomas Francis, who's the scrum. Yeah. I don't know if I'm right if I've misheard this, but he perhaps made himself unavailable. I think I'm, I'm I might be right to say I'm sure I heard that somewhere. Um, if I'm if I'm wrong on that, uh, I'll stand corrected. But I'll, we'll take a look in that one. But anyway, he's he's not there. Dylan Lewis again. He's he's not known for his scrummaging, but he is you know very experienced and good around the park. So you would I would have expected to have seen one in there. You know you either have the the steady tight head who who can scrummage, which we know Tom Francis can do. Or you have, if you're trying to play a different way, um, you have someone like Dylan Lewis who's got the experience in there. But you know he's, he's opted for Leon Brown, who's barely been playing for the Dragons. Mm. You know, he's struggled with injury and then hasn't automatically been first choice. And then you've got um, uh, who have I? What's your man at Bath? Archie. Archie, Archie Griffin. Griffin. Yeah, who again was has been a call out of um, you know a call out yeah. of left field really. The I mean, he's a big lump, yeah. Griffin. He's, he's, you know, he's had, a, he's, he's had about three or four games off the bench in the Premiership this season. But, you know, they 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 rate him highly at Bath. He's, he's he's mobile as well. Get gets about. So so again, I think Gatlin's one of those you you bring him in and see how he operates within the squad environment. But in terms of potential, you know, in, in a couple of years' time, you could be um, you know, you you'd be struggling to to catch a surname. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's very. It's, it's definitely not a safe bet when it. And, and if you're going to go safe bet in any position, for me, it's it's front row. You know where where I think the game is so as South Africa proved during the the World Cup. If you have yeah. got firepower up front and particularly in the tight five, then you can blow sides away. So you know, I think you. I think you're right. Wales are going to have to try something different in order to. Um, yeah, in order to, to to get results this this time out, um, I suppose that the kicking game will be interesting because I mean, you know, I mean, ultimately you've got to kick. You can't you can't you can't run slow balls in the sort of deep in your own territory. You're just going to get turned over. So there was you know you've got to kick and you've got to have a good kicking strategy. But whether they you know Big was so good at putting them in the air, chasing it and creating havoc, wasn't he? But whether they you know mix up the kicking game, put in a few. Just you know, I mean, Owen Farrell's very good. I see he's, he's he is off to Racing uh, Metro next season. Now they've announced that. Um, but you know, putting those little kicks in behind and you know, for, for for to to offset the the the, the rush defence, or maybe a few raking diagonals in to get to get the back three chasing. Just just think things like that, rather than just put it up in the air and uh, and chase. Or if you don't chase, hope they kick it back to you, and you've got a chance to run back at them. I so I, I just think it'll be. You know, a, a faster, faster thinking strategy, um, and maybe that's why he's gone for, for for more young players who you can mould into that game rather than some of the the older ones who've been around and and, and uh, uh, maybe more set set in their yeah, ways. Yeah, the kicking game is really interesting because I, I watching Thomas Williams on whenever that was Saturday afternoon. Again, I thought he mixed the game up really well. He, he's been playing brilliantly at the moment. Obviously, another another yeah, tough uh, out outing for Cardiff, but I don't think they disgraced themselves. And some you know, some really nice touches from from him in there. And again, it's not just the you know it's not just the ability with ball in hand. It's the it's the clever little kicks. And I don't know. I suppose Cardiff is quite a similar analogy to to where Wales find themselves. Yes. You know, yes. Sean of a lot of experience and. You know, are going to have to find different ways to to compete. And Cardiff have done it to compete, but they haven't won many games this season. You know, that's that's the that's the thing with them. And it's going to be interesting to see whether that's a kind of you know a, a similar yeah. Because I think Matt Sherrett's employed some really cute te- um, techniques in the back to to manage to score tries. It'll be interesting to see whether whether you know Warren Gatland has got that um, has got the personnel around him to to do that. Yeah, because what you what you don't want them to be is bogged down in some big set piece battle, because um, that's not that's not going to play to their strengths, is it? Um, so it's 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 a, it's a more dynamic, fluid game that Wales need, but one where they can just pick it up and and sort of go and um, and, and 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 just just hustle a team out of their out of their stride. And uh, you know, I mean, Scotland for all the you know the ability they have behind, they are quite a structured side, aren't they? They are quite, you know, they m- might be vulnerable to something that they're not then they're they're not prepared for, and that's what Wales have got to come up with. Yeah, and um, with that in mind, you know, particularly looking at halfbacks, I think like we said before, we'd expect Sam Costello to start at um, to start outside half, um, but in terms of in terms of his halfback partner. Gareth Davis was first choice during the World Cup and had a brilliant resurgence during that. But Thomas Williams, I'd say, probably the form. You know, not that Gareth Davis has been playing particularly badly in a side that has been playing badly. But again, perhaps Thomas Williams offers well, that that's... bit more. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that that bit more variation in terms of in terms of kicking game and in terms of um, in terms of just adding a bit more of a threat threat around the, the fringes. Something that Gareth Davis was very very good at in his you know in his the younger part of his career, but. Has really kind of built his game on 
excellent rush defence in the last in the last few series. So I wonder, yes, I wonder but... what what choice he'll go for at nine. Yeah, because I mean, you've got the you've got the you and um, with, with with Costello and Davis, or as you say, you've got the the more dynamic scrum half, the the, the one who can maybe mix, mix it up a, up a bit more. I mean, I you know, um, Williams Williams would certainly be 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 my choice there, and you've got Davis on the bench, or does he prefer to have Williams on the bench as an option in the last thirty minutes? I would, I would argue uh, as much on the basis that yeah, as much as Thomas Williams, uh, you know, I'm a massive fan of him, his, and I would probably rather see him get the nine shirt for Scotland of the two. You know, Gareth Davis has put in the stronger performances starting, and Thomas Williams' best performances, not all of them, but I would say he's made more of an impact coming on in games. Perhaps that's because it you know it suits the way he plays a little bit more when when things start to get a bit more unstructured and there's a bit more broken field to uh, to attack. But I don't know, I, I would love at this stage in his career to see Thomas Williams really get hold of it and make that nine shirt his own. Yeah, exactly. I would. I mean, you know, you say the same. You know, Danny Kerr has struggled in the last three or three years as for England, somebody far more effective coming off the bench because he's obviously sitting there. He's seeing the way a game is developing. You know what what, what needs to be done and come on and, and implement it straight away. Whereas when he starts, doesn't seem to be anywhere near as effective. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd I'd like to see Williams start. And again, it's, it's going to come down to how how how, how Gatlin wants to play. But he he does offer that. Um, that bit of spontaneity, doesn't he? That that that's that little bit of um, he's gone, um, which I think Wales Wales will need because they're not, as we said before, they they're not going to be able to compete on a on a structured basis. I don't think, certainly not as not as title contenders. And with the this kind of expect the unexpected type mantra that uh, that we may or may not be seeing, when it comes to the back row, we've we've spoken about this uh, quite a bit. You know, obviously with Falatau not being there. Wainwright is probably the the front runner to to play. What back row would you expect to see line up against Scotland? So you broke up a bit there. So yeah, so with the with with the back row uh, in particular. Now that we've seen the squad, if we're working to this basis, that it's going to be a kind of expect the unexpected. Which back row do you think is you know is, is most likely to suit that? It's a good question, isn't it? I mean, certainly Rafael at seven. If he's, I mean, he didn't play for Leicester. No, he's, he's, na- he's nailed on, though, isn't he? You'd have thought. Oh, he should be. Yeah, he should be. And 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 I think I think Wayne Wright would would be eight. I don't think unless he unless he 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 chucked a Mackenzie Martin and I'm not Mackenzie Martin. I'm sure he would. And then it comes down to six, doesn't it? Which would be which would be interesting. You know, both of them both of them is in there. Um, Basham. Yeah, I. Great name for a rugby really player, Jim. But um, <laughs> I, I wrote off Jim Bowden's um, chances yeah. last week, didn't I? Um, so my, my the podcast from last yeah, week aged terribly because in the space of in the space of forty five minutes, I went from <laughs> having Liam uh, Lewis Rezamit at fullback and Jim Botham nowhere near the team, and then uh, when the, when the side came out, obviously neither of those things came true. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what what I like about both of them is a sort of. Um, You know he doesn't. Um, he, he, he doesn't roll over. He comes back for more, doesn't he? So, uh, I suppose that that <laughs> in his in his genes, looking, looking in, in both. But but you know, that, and that that's the sort of quality that Wales Wales will need as a sort of underdogs going into this tournament. You know that, that, that you know, well you can, you know you would you can push us, but we're not going to fall down. We'll come back. We'll come back. And um, so I, I mean, with Wainwright at eight to six, 
you know, a lot of teams look at six for for a third mm. big line-out jumper. But if you've got Wayne Rodder, they do need six line-outs are important for Wales at six. I mean, Basham offers you a real physical presence, doesn't he? And we'll, we'll, we'll take it on. Um, and maybe, you know, in a generation of quick ball, you're going to need somebody in, in, in the forwards to do that. Roland does it quite well, doesn't he? And, um, they're going to need the front row as well. Just trucking up quick ball all over, the, over that game line and whoosh. Get it out. And is David Jenkins, you know, is he definitely going to start then? Because we said we said last week that actually that was the only thing perhaps holding him back was the fact that Beard and Rollins has been a very settled uh, partnership in a in a twelve months that hasn't had many settled partnerships at all. You know, does this now mean that that one of the two, you'd imagine Beard, is is going to be relegated to the bench? Yes, I'd say so. It'd be strange if you pick a captain and then and then don't pick him, especially. I mean. You could maybe partly understand that because he would still be, you know, a, a dominant figure. Whether he's starting or not, but I mean, Jenkins is what just twenty-one starting out, isn't he? So, you can't know you want him. You want him starting, and I think he's. I mean, Gatland likened him, compared him with the launch to Alan Winjones, didn't he? In ter- terms of the way he prepared and um, the, you know, the, the, what he demanded from himself and others, and I, that, you know, that, that, that's that's something I, I found in his, his short career with Exeter. He's, he's you know, he's a sort of consummate professional. He will, um, you know, he will, he won't say an awful lot, but he'll lead by example. And 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 again. You know, that's uh, Wales will, will 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 need a bit of that. Yeah, it's the, it's the interesting that comparison, isn't it? Because I, I suppose because he's a towering second row, it's very very easy to to use the Alan Wynne Jones comparison. But you're right in terms of the lead by example. Perhaps it's more of a Sam Warburton mould of mm. you know doesn't necessarily say a huge amount, but when he does, people you know sit up and listen and and are prepared to follow into battle because of his his attitude and work rate and the way he goes about it. Yeah, and you know, and, what, and you know, his the captaincy going on him puts you know, certain players in there going to have big roles to play. Wainwright being an example, Elias at Hooker, North if he's I mean North was injured again, but I think he's going to be fit, isn't he? In 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 the midfield, you know, top whoever scrum half, whether it's Williams or Gareth Davis, they're going to you know big leadership roles for for them for them to fill to to help to help uh, Jenkins out because he's not. Simply a case of, you know, the captain doing everything. It's 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 having lost so much experience. You know, those, those players are going to be are going to be huge if if Wales are going to do anything this Six Nations. Absolutely right, and we're absolutely racing through this podcast, and it's time for another break. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at uh, the final round of European games for most of the Welsh sides, but not for the Ospreys who have lined up a game against Sale for the next round of the champ, uh, Challenge Cup, rather. And, uh, yeah, we're going to also take a look at all the other bits and pieces of news uh, that is doing the rounds, and all of that is coming up after this short break. Right, Paul, we mentioned uh, Cardiff briefly then, but I want to talk about the Ospreys now because... Uh, I suppose this perhaps hasn't gathered much news outside of outside of Wales that you know the Ospreys secured a, a, a spot in the next round against uh, against Sale in the the second tier of Europe. But I think there there has to be a degree of recognition of the of the job that, that Toby Booth's done over the last few years. Very very trying circumstances, lots of injuries, lots of players. Um, lots of players leaving during that during that time as well. Um, it feels to me like he's a very kind of a very reassuring figure in amongst times of crises, and and he's got a he's got a squad of players there that have 
that have got a lot of grit and a lot of fight about them. And, you know, he's, he's making them very, very hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, making them, it's not just making the, um, the knockout stage of the challenge, but getting the home draw. Yeah. Which, um, you know, in fairness, you, you've got to go to the lines to, um, and, and, and win. And, all oh, right, there are only three and a half thousand rattling around there, but but it's still, you know, still in Johannesburg, still at altitude, isn't it? So you've got to, um, you know, there, there's things you've got to overcome, and you're the ones doing the traveling. And they were they were behind, weren't they? Second half and came came back, stormed stormed the last twenty twenty five minutes, which is which is perfect. Yeah, it is, and I think that is kind of. Um... That's the thing. It's, it's very interesting this, yeah, you know, this kind of season because we've spoken on here a lot about Cardiff because I've really enjoyed watching them play. But as we said, they haven't, yeah, you know, they haven't managed to get a huge amount, of, a huge amount of results. Lots of good performances in there. But the Ospreys have, you know, have gone about their, gone about their business and have still got a season that's very much alive as we, you know, as we head into the Six Nations. There'll be that to look forward to uh, after Easter, and there's an opportunity when the when the URC comes back as well to really compete and and um and look to get a, a champions cup fixture for uh space for next year which again i think will do so much for will do so much for the club particularly in you know in a very turbulent season following all of the the shenanigans with funding last year well exactly i mean you know you're going about um keep keeping hold of players you know, with budgets coming down and and, and offers from you know, Teams in other countries. I mean, you know, if you are in the Champions Cup, then it is it is something you can offer, isn't it? So, and, and this season, the first time you got the real danger that none of the four could be in the next season. I mean, you know, certainly Scarlets and, and Dragons aren't going to be aren't going to be. Are they? Cardiff will have to mount a run, but Osprey's a really good chance, and it's you know it's important for them and, and important for the game in Wales that they uh, that they do so. And the, you know, a, a, another route in is winning the. Um, is winning the Challenge Cup home draw against Sale. Sale, quite a month ago, I thought they were going to be you know easily top two in the Premiership. They were siding everybody down, but um, they you know they 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 they're wobbling, you know like a, like a, a <clears throat> like a jelly on a wonky table. It's um it's it's strange how things can change very very quickly, isn't it? And they've had they've had a couple of injuries, you know Tom Curry to Alagi and and to name but two. But even so, you know watched them yesterday against La Rochelle and. You know, they're three or four times they're over the line. They're not finishing off, and that's you know. So the Ospreys have got a really good chance there. Yeah, and and you hope you hope it'll draw a decent crowd. Well, that's the big thing for me. Is it's a chance to to create an occasion. We've said this numerous times. Playing kind of meaningful fixtures. You know, all right. It's you know, um, it's not like getting a. I don't know, I suppose a Bath or a Harlequins is very, very easy to sell tickets, but it's still a, you know, it's still a, an Anglo-Welsh, an Anglo-Welsh tie um, and a, a real opportunity to get into the, to get into the quarterfinal stages. So, yeah. you know, and, and sale, sale, if everybody's fit, you know, they'll have to Alagi. Roebuck might have done something for England by then. George Ford, maybe Rafi Quirk comes back. You know, they've got some big South Africans in, in, in the forwards. Ben Curry. So you know some 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 names there, some something to sell. But you know, and again, we've gone on about it before. It's it's just getting that full into what you see. I mean, what was the biggest crowd in the Challenge Cup on the weekend? Biggest crowd actually of the of the season in in, in the Challenge That's Cup. Good question. In the group stage, seventeen odds at Black Lion. Really, really, yes. yeah. And if 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 Black Lion in Georgia can pull more than seventeen thousand. Then there's no excuse for any of the Welsh regions. No, that's a really interesting point, and I hadn't realised that, Paul. But it's 
Again, Black Lion are only in this competition by accident because three English sides went up. Yep. And it does make you realise that administrators have to look further afield and recognise what's good for the game. You know, if if you're serious about growing the game and and serious growth amongst territories and bringing more people into the sport, if you've got you've got places there that that are having an interest for rugby, you know, we and we have seen it before in in Georgia, great crowds um, ahead of the uh, you know ahead of the final, um, you know, when they when they're they're competing for titles in the set, you know, the second tier. So, yeah, it, I mean, it, it is it's a good news story for me. You know, the the fact that the, yeah, the, it, it does it does mean something to to people in these in this country. Yeah, because they had a they had a decent dish crowd for their first game against Gloucester, but eight 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 thousand odd, I think. But it was absolutely hammering down with rain, so it was a big distance. And to turn up at Clermont on 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 the weekend, the, the weather was a bit better, so they had double that, which is terrific as a attendance. So, you know, I think there've only been five five figure gates in the uh, Challenge Cup this season: two Sharks, two Clermont Avern, and. The biggest of black line. Very interesting. Oh, it has to be said actually. To I think Sale, uh, although not in the the Challenge Cup, they were in the Champions Cup. But I think they did a really good job. They, and got ten thousand there, didn't they? They they got they got ten thousand and twelve against La Rochelle on yesterday. Yeah, yeah and the twelve is is all important. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'd be it'd be interesting to see. I, I don't know. I just I do hope that, that there's a, a real sense of momentum and people will will buy tickets and, and yeah. go to that one if if they're able to because it'd be great and if, to see. You know, and it, and it, it will help. It will help Ospreys if if Wales have a, a decent Six Nations, won't it? There'll be a, be a bit of a buzz about the place. Yeah. So, but, so you know that that that's why you know in all the debates, you know, decade or more, regions and Wales, you know, the, the two have to coexist on it because they 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 both feed off each other, they both depend on each other, and 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 when they were a, a war, nobody's going to win there. Yeah. Nobody. Absolutely. Now. Last week, Paul, one thing we didn't mention was the Anglo-Welsh League, which has been a fixture of our conversations this season. Uh, and perhaps Warren Gatland had been listening to old episodes as well because he threw his hat into the uh, yeah. into the debate uh, this week. Um, it then kind of seemed that uh, the WRU administrators were kind of pouring a bit of cold water on it or, or certainly towing the party line at the very least. Um, what did you make of Warren Gatland's comments? It's... it's... You know, so words of a coach who wants his players to have, you know, the best possible preparation before international periods, and and you know, if you're playing in Europe and you're playing in a strong league, um, I mean, not to say the URC is not strong, but as we mentioned before, how often when you play the Ireland teams at home are you playing against their their full number? Um, similarly with the South Africans, you're not too 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 often. You you're playing reserves. Whereas you go into an Anglo-Welsh, you know, week in, week out, you're going to be up against strong teams. I just, I mean, I don't know, I haven't, didn't see that WRU administrators, but if they, if they don't see the opportunity that this presents themselves, then they should, um, they should do something else. Because what have we been talking about over, over the last few weeks? You know, the 25 cap rule, yeah. the bud- budgets, budgets for the regions. WRU not wanting to you know, commit too much because it'll it'll steer off the grassroots. What an Anglo Welsh league would give the Welsh Rugby Union is a lot is a, is, is 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 a lot more freedom because as we uh, again as we said before the problem with a, a British league is Scotland and Ireland uh, you know, their teams are, are union run and they wouldn't want them to be part of a, a competition which is organised by clubs and and organised in the sense that clubs. 
they, they do all the negotiations for commercial and broadcasting deals and the money comes straight to them. In Wales at the moment, the, the URC money, Euro, um, Europe money, it goes to the union and wash it through and then feeds it onto the regions. So if the regions were part of an Anglo-Welsh league, then they would be they would be part of the, the organising panel, if you like. They would be shareholders and all the proceeds that from that from that tournament would come directly to them, not the Welsh Rugby Union. So the Welsh Rugby Union setting these annual budgets would go by the wayside. So what is it, four and a half million next season? What that would go, you know, to twenty-two million a year. That would go. All the regions would have to do is negotiate a fee for the release of players for for, for international periods. It would free up the Welsh Rugby Union. It's a great time to negotiate with England because with the Premiership down to ten, they wanted a strong second tier, right? And and you know they're hoping that the, the for the reincarnation of London Irish Wasps and Worcester, because they know there'd be three teams with ambitions to play in the top flight. Not many of the um, the current championship teams, you know, are, have have that ambition because they can't afford it, and and not much money comes through the championship. So if you suddenly had four 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 Welsh regions again, who are all you know capable of playing top flight, you've suddenly got seventeen. You only need three more, and then instead of having two divisions, you'd have you'd have a conference system. And again, you'd arrange it so that all your local derbies take place, so the regions will still play each other, whichever ones they were in, and your, your English derbies would take place, and then you'd have a, a sort of meeting towards you. It's a great time to do it. There won't be, a, there will not be a better time because <clears throat> if the finances add up, and if they, if, if Wales can show, they will bring something to it, and that that that, that everybody it will add to everybody. Um, you know, happy days. But the WIU should be leading us with 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 the RFU because you. Know, when it was floated all those years ago, a three and a two, they just you know they just turned their turned their noses up and walked away, and probably regretted it ever since. It's no point being happy about this now. It's 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 there to grasp, but it won't be it won't be for much longer. No, it won't. And actually, just uh, to to bring it back to because the the headlines were definitely um, you know the uh, BBC Wales and and Wales Online were kind of positioning uh, positioning it as uh, as Richard Collier Keywood stating that. The Welsh side are committed to the United Rugby Championship, but in public, what else is he going to say? You know, he's not going to go, "Oh well, yeah, exactly, yeah, we're going to we're going to up sticks." And and to be honest, looking at the the quote again, it's not really, it's not really that uh, that committal. You know, it's uh, there are none, no talks that I'm uh, that I've been involved with or I'm aware of. Our position is we're committed to the URC. There are dates we are committed to, and we'll have to have a good look at what future options are. I mean, that's not it's not exactly a categorical. We're never gonna, you know, we're gonna be in this league, this league forever. I'd be very surprised if there weren't, yeah. if there weren't exploratory, internal conversations. I, I would because because what they what what they're going to be loyal to ultimately is themselves. They're going to, you know, what Robbie's got to put itself first. The finance of the regions are, as such, that they're struggling to compete with the Irish, with the with the Scots, uh, with certainly with Treviso, mm. not with not not with not with zebra. And obviously, the Irish and the South Africans. So, what is what is what is the URC bringing to the Welsh game? And that's that is the concern of the Welsh rugby union. And it's clearly it's not enough, is it? But what you know, the the big the big thing again, going about it, you know, it's, it's supporters. You want a large support, base and you, you, you know, you don't want to watch Irish reserve teams or South African reserve teams. You want to, you want full on matches week in week out where you know. No teams are going to pick the strongest available side, bar the, you know, occasionally they'll have to arrest a player or two. But you know it's going to be full ball. 
you know you're going to get your, your money's worth in terms of, of, of quality on, on on display. And and you know, Cardiff bars, Cardiff Harlequins, what they pack in twelve thousand, mm-hmm. says it all, doesn't it? It does. does it yeah, all? and I mean, it's um, yeah, I, I've made no secret that I think it'd be a much more appealing appealing route for the for the Welsh sides to to look at. And as you say, there's in the past, you know, when I think when it's been mooted five six years ago, and before that. The English sides have never really had a, a desire to explore it, I don't think. Whereas there is a real harsh reality now no. that that the finances are simply no. not there, and they need to do something because, because they they were they were thir- there were thirteen shareholders then, and there are ten now, and 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 you know at the moment ten is, and, and well probably nine and a half with Newcastle. I know they won a Perpignan on the weekend, but you know they're not putting up any sort of any sort of show, isn't it? So this this this, this is the time to. To really, to really go for it, to um, you know, to to to, to give sport some some something they want, but also you know to to help drive the finances in the game because the way things are going, it almost seems as if the policy is well, let's wait for a region to go bust and we can go down to three rather than take the political decision of which one to to get rid of. You're almost saying, well, one go bust would be down to three, we can fund those, but you'll get to a position the way things are in a couple of years where you wait for yeah. one of those to go bust as well, so you can think. The two, there doesn't seem to be any joined-up, coherent policy about how to make the professional game in Wales, you know, pay for itself. Anglo-Welsh is a clear and obvious route. There won't, you know, there's not a, there's not going to be a, a, a long moment of opportunity. This season is it, and they, you know, should be talking about it. And if it can't, if it can't happen, well, you tried your best, didn't you? You do, you you really push for it. But for me, you know, with with the same landmass, aren't we? I mean, the, you know, it's. it's Cardiff, Cardiff, Bath, you know, no, no different to Cardiff, Cardiff, Lately, is it? It's, 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 it's e- easily done. There's, there's, there's a lot of history and tradition there, and, and, and it's, it's, it's something supporters relate to, and that, that is, that is, that is hugely important. Otherwise, you just, it's just going to be this sense of drift, isn't there? And, um, and, 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 and again, no wonder players, you know, want to go away. But you have an Anglo-Welsh and I think, you know, your 25 capital can just fade away. Of course, yeah. And, and I also think that the thing that the, the WRU have to realise is that, you know, I suppose if you were looking at a line on a spreadsheet, you would say, yeah, we need to get rid of one of these regions and let's just wait for one of them to fold and it will stop us making that decision. Yeah. As happened in Scotland, you know, when they started with, you know, the Border Reavers and Caledonian Reds and all those mm-hmm. and then it consolidated into two. Now, the reality is, is look at Scotland in terms of their in terms of their player base, and they're and they're really struggling to to produce quality talent. And for all Wales's problems, we know that there, there is there, there is young talent there, and Wales has produced has produced you know for the last ten years and and, and further has produced top quality Test players and you know and Lions to boot. So if you were to lose a region, there's no there, there is a real danger that you would be losing the players within that catchment area as well. I think you need to have you need to have strong professional outfits there that that offer that that route to the top for those elite players. Um you know if you lost uh you know like we said the Ospreys would probably be the ones at the moment who are most at risk because they don't own their own ground. I mean look at the look at the talent that's come through there in the last um you know in the, in the last exactly, 10 years. Yeah, exactly. And you're right about Scotland. I mean, because they're under 20. Yeah, team, exactly. They? Have they dropped the second or third yeah. tier in the world? I mean, you know, it's, it's so so they are reduced to you know discovering likes of Reed and and Hepburn and and you know Kilty Kiwis and it's it's you know that that again that that's no way to to sustain success at international levels, isn't it? It's 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 just um 
you know, almost flying by the seat of your pants. You can't do that. But but Wales has got a, 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 you know, the advantage of, of 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 players being produced in abundance. It's just it's just you know it's it's not it's not about keeping them here by 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 yeah. force if you like the, the twenty five capital. It's keeping them here because they want to stay here because they feel that their career will be best suited, and it's uh, and that just doesn't come down to just the pay package. It comes down to what you know. What do you play? You know, you play for Cardiff against Bath and. For a packed household, you paid Cardiff and Colnop before five thousand. Mm. I mean, it's you know, it's a short career, isn't it? And you know, these these guys thrive on atmosphere. They, th- they thrive on confrontation. You know, and you, if you can provide it for them, go for it. And and, and there's no loyalty to the URC, no loyalty to the other. The you know, the loyalty WRU has is to its is to its regions, is to is to Warren Gatland. And just the supporters here, and that's that's how they that's how they should. And act. from the URC's point of view, uh, there are some fairly, you know, there would be. I think like you said before, it's a big league as it is, so you could just reduce the numbers, but also add, look, while the while the momentum's there, get Black Lion in the mix. If you're going to be as vast and disparate a league as the URC is, there's no problem chucking a Georgian side into the mix. You may as well chuck a Portuguese one in as well, um, or you know, or a, yeah, another yeah. Italian side, or yeah. whoever's prepared for it, because that's the. You know that's that's the yeah. that's the thing that if it's going to be a you know a kind of global best of the rest type league, then then just do it and and crack and crack on. You know, have the Jaguares resurge them and have them based out of out of Spain or something. You know, whatever whatever works. But there'd be options and there'd be people willing to who'd be more keen to play in that league than than any of the Welsh sides are. Yeah, because at the moment that league is all about it's the last couple of weeks of the regular season and and the playoffs, yeah. isn't it? That's when it that's when it comes into it. So in the up to then, there's not not a huge amount other than, other than the local derbies over you know the festive period and and and, and a couple of weekends um, either side of that is not a it just doesn't stimulate interest, does it? I mean, you know, I, I know from my days working on the London newspaper, you just couldn't sell. You couldn't sell each you are seeing before that the, the Celtic League because you know they'd look at a, a Leinster team or a, or an Ulster team if they were coming to Atlantic or or Swansea and and, and say well you know, we haven't heard of these players yeah which is which is absolutely correct and um, the thing is you know I think it, to be fair what I will say is I think they have done a good job in raising the profile and the and the the overall credibility of it in the last few years admittedly off a very low base but I think you know looking at it with my marketing hat on the rebrand has worked. It, you know, every bloody league in the world is called the Pro 14 or the Top 14, you know, something very generic like that. People copying the, the French model, whereas actually, or the, the Super 12 or whatever it was before, but actually calling it the United Rugby Championship, at least it stands apart then. It's something it's something slightly different. Um, so I think that that's helped. The South Africans are, are generally keen on it because they needed a place to play and it works for them. It works for Ireland because, as we said, they can rest and rotate players and keep them back for big European games and for and for internationals. Scotland have nowhere else to play, so I think they'll generally be happy with it. The one it's never sat right with is the Welsh fan base because Wales had a thriving club scene for huge chunks of its history and doesn't. And and I, and I think you know we're not we're never going to go back to a to a ten tier um, a ten tier. Uh, uh, top flight championship because there's not the money to go around. This is definitely the the best solution, and I really do think the appetite would be out there. You know, if, if you look at the and this is by no means scientific, but even just look at the when the camera is panning down, uh, panning down the, the crowds at the Arms Park or even at the brewery field for that game, 
it's not just old boys, um, old yeah. boys who've, who've been going for years and years and years. Kind of, we've got some young crowds no. in there as well. No. If, if it's something meaningful and you can turn it into an event, then there there are there is an audience out there who are willing to give it a shot. But you know, at home to Connacht or at home to the to the Southern Kings or the Cheaters or whoever else has been in there in, in years gone by, it's just it's never it's never going to cut it for a domestic league. No, it's not, and and you know you're right. I mean, the URC organisers have done done everything they can to try and to try and make it to try and sell it to try and jazz it up, but it, it, it will never it will never compare to a, to a full bore Anglo Welsh. Never. It won't. Right. Well, Paul, that uh, pretty much brings us to uh, the end for this week. Loads that we've uh, that we've crammed in there. So a big thank you to Paul Reese for joining us. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. If you are not subscribed, then please make sure you do that on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. That way you will get a notification whenever we have a new episode. And uh, there'll be, um, yeah, there'll probably be a bit of a mix and match in terms of the days we record these as we head into the Six Nations. Um, So hopefully you'll get a bit more time at the weekends to record and we'll have them in time ready for your Monday morning commute. Um, But if you hit subscribe then you'll make sure that you don't miss out regardless of what happens thanks as always to our sponsors at so coffee uh, if you want to get some good coffee then uh, head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk scott and the boys will sort you out with some great uh, some great tasting coffee keep you awake uh, when you're listening to me and uh, that will do us for this week we'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon Podcast Network.